Hi, I'm Carla Wainwright. And I'm Little Leah. And welcome to the Radical Sex Witches podcast, where we explore the themes of sexuality, feminism, consciousness, love, healing, ritual, magic, and all things witchy and wonderful. Hello, all you horny hookers, and welcome to another episode of the Radical Sex Witches. I'm Little Leah, and with me as always is the gorgeous, stunning, horny hooker herself. Carla Wainwright. <laughs> Thank you. I actually can tell you where that term comes from. A horny hooker? It's an no. actual term? No. Well, hooker. Oh. Yeah, well, there was some general. There was some general. I don't know if he was in the Civil War. I can't remember exactly where, but he had um, uh, an abundance of prostitutes following <laughs> his army. So they were called, uh, they were just called hookers because they were kind of, you know, they were the... Um, um, the hangers on. <laughs> they were hooked in and they traveled from place. That's right. To so place. that's why they were called hookers after this general. I did not know that. Yep. That is amazing. So I have a question for all of our listeners out there. Do you have your radical sex witch toque yet? Or beanie if you live in America? It's a toque. What about a mug of the two of us covering up our tits? If not, we still got some merch for sale on our Etsy and the link is in our bio. And, you know, the proceeds that we make from these items lets us live the luxurious lives that we do. (laughs) 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 So we get our nails done and go on cruises. Rent the gentleman of the night. Just kidding. It goes to the upkeep of the show, keeping us on air. So every penny counts. Yep. Anyways, today we're exploring a slice of history. Hey, put your diaper on so you don't cream your jeans there, Carla. (laughs) I said the word history. (laughs) About the world's oldest profession and talking about the harlot, specifically in the 1700s and the 1800s in England, the Gregorian and Victorian periods. So Carla was inspired by the Hulu show Harlots, which is a period drama female, which is a period drama female created and produced show focusing on Margaret Wells, who runs a brothel in 18th century London and struggles to secure a better future for her and her daughters, which makes me go to the way, way back of uh, Grope Cunt Lane. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Forgot about Grope Cunt Lane. I'll never forget about Grope yeah, Cunt Lane. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, they don't, they actually live on uh, Greek Street, but I think it should have been rena- renamed <laughs> to Grope Cunt Lane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I started watching this show and, and as I was watching, I thought it'd be a really great topic to discuss on our podcast. And, um, you know, in the opening sequence of, of this show in the first uh, episode, the first season, um, they tell us that at that time in London, one in five women made their living selling sex. Hmm. That's a lot. That so a lot. Um, sex work uh, at that time was very much integrated into much of society. And we're not going to really specifically talk about the show because Leah hasn't had a chance to, to check it out yet. But we're going to talk more about what sex work was like at that time. So some similarities to the way things are now, some differences, 
kind of and they also don't make the show anymore i think they only got to do a couple of seasons and then they yeah, three it, unfortunately so let's get started on this topic um at that time prostitution was the highest paying job for a woman and probably was for all the centuries beforehand most jobs for a women for women were being street vendors seamstresses factory girls and if she was very lucky being a household servant in the estate of a lord or lady um even educated women made only very small amounts of money and that wasn't enough to support themselves or their children without the aid of a husband so prostitution was the one and only job where a woman could have shorter work hours and earn higher wages and cash without depending on a husband to support her and if she was exceptionally beautiful she would earn enough to achieve total financial independence if a lower class woman could afford nice clothes and the finer things in life it most certainly meant that she was a prostitute yep yeah, I mean, really, not a lot of financial opportunities for women aside from prostitution. If they had any kinds of jobs, they were just so poorly poorly paid that um, you wouldn't be able to survive um, without uh, doing a little side hustle. I kind of think it's still like that today. <laughs> for some women, for sure. Yep. Yeah, yep. definitely. Definitely. And so there were three levels of prostitutes. And of course, they all did the same kind of work, or maybe, you know, some had specialties, I'm sure. But there were considered three levels that a woman could fall into as a harlot. So the lowest class were women who worked in brothels, um, and they were forced to sleep with whatever man, the madam, but they were called bods, so a body house uh, assigned to them. And they often lived in, in pretty, pretty bad living conditions. And then we had the middle class uh, harlots who were independent women who they had their own apartments um, as well as streetwalkers, and they could pick and choose their own clients. So, of course, then they had no madam or pimp or bod taking a huge chunk of their profits. But, of course, the flip side of that is that being an independent prostitute meant that you didn't have the protection of the brothel community. So a lot more dangerous. And then, of course, the highest class of prostitutes were the women who were beautiful and educated, uh, and they only worked for very high-class clients, aristocrats, members of parliament, people of the nobility, all of that sort of thing, kings, etc. Some worked exclusively for one man, so they'd have something called a keeper, and that keeper would basically pay for everything and would be, they would only, um, that keeper, uh, she would only have access to him. And many of these courtesans ended up marrying their benefactors. So, yeah, like in the show, you see some of these like high, you know, high end harlots and they they're like the costumes and the wealth and the, you know, all of the stuff. I mean, it's it's pretty, pretty luxe. When we say courtesan, I always think of um, Nicole Kidman and Moulin Rouge. Yes, correct. Yeah. Uh, since many of the lower class jobs simply didn't pay enough to support a large family, it was common for the wives of the street vendors to offer their sexual services on the side while they helped their husbands run the family business. Oh, yeah, but I could picture it, though. Um, husbands were completely fine with allowing other men to sleep with their wives. In fact, 50% of street vendor wives were reported to moonlight as prostitutes. And sometimes the wife happily worked as a prostitute since it was a way for her to earn income. And other times the husband was acting as a pimp, using his wife as his property, lending her out as he pleased. Gross. Um, Many single working women, seamstresses, 
seamstresses, shop girls, servants also worked as casual prostitutes to supplement their shitty incomes. But it was discovered that a woman had lost her virginity before marriage. It meant that she had was fallen and doomed to continue living life of prostitution. Mm-hmm. Of yeah, course. so okay to do if you if you were already right. married. But if you were not married, then that was that was seen. I mean, losing your virginity before marriage was the big no-no. Even well into the freaking like 50s and 60s of our <laughs> the 1900s, right? So fuck. Well, up. and still in some communities. Oh yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. Absolutely. so um you know like today there were lots of themed brothels i'm pretty sure there were themed brothel brothels two thousand years ago in greece and rome and all of these things too so you know traditional s&m cross-dressing gay brothels all kinds of brothels uh, willing to fulfill any type of kinky fantasy but these types of you know more specialty brothels often put the sex workers uh, they were at a higher risk of being raided and punished for their crimes. So um, female homosexuality or like, so women together was not considered a crime and it was tolerated, but mm-hmm. uh, male homosexuality was considered a crime punishable by hanging. Mm-hmm. So if, if men were caught uh, engaged in the homosexual and homosexual sex, then they would be, yeah, they would be uh, imprisoned and, and likely killed. So pretty dangerous. Um, and of course, then we have even the uglier side, which were brothels that catered to pedophiles uh, that specialized in young girls and virgins. And, you know, there was a huge industry, which there still is, of course, which is completely mm-hmm. abhorrent of, of taking and stealing young girls. Um, and part of the reason at that time that that happened, besides people being just disgusting, horrible human beings is that there was a real fear of venereal disease mm-hmm. and men often men only wanted to deflower virgins. So there would be a guarantee. They didn't catch anything, especially syphilis, which they called the French pox, which just as an aside, I don't, you know, the English had the thing about the French, like all these things called French, whatever, <laughs> but the French pox. So of course only wealthy men could afford to deflower virgin Soldiers, other working middle-class men didn't have this option, but it was considered, um, it probably was pretty, um, pretty oftenly used in, uh, for people who had money. This makes me think of a different show that I just watched. If you guys have Prime, it's a mini series and it's called The English with Emily Blunt. And uh, there's a big part of a storyline about syphilis in there. And it was, it's pretty gross, but it's, it's probably one of the best Westerns I've seen in a really long time, not to sidetrack it or anything like that, but it's what you just said in that sentence about the venereal disease and, you know, deflowering mm-hmm. virgins and sleeping with prostitutes and da, 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 da is a big theme in that story. So. Yeah. And this, and, and in this show, Harlots, um, the whole theme of virginity and selling, you know, Margaret Wells selling her daughters to the highest bidder for their virginity yeah. And, you know, how prized it was. Um, yeah, pretty, pretty gross. How much money would like? Um, so, yeah, I guess she was taking sealed bibs. And I think it was like 50 guineas, which would have been 50 pounds, which, you know, in 1780 something, that would have been a lot, lot of money. money. Yeah. Been a lot of money. Yeah. 
So even though many women could not read or write, it was common for a harlot to eagerly ask men to read newspapers to them so that they could stay up to date on current events. And many women in higher classes weren't educated in politics or current events since they were expected to be the angel of the home. And this gave prostitutes an advantage in terms of becoming more cultured and knowledgeable of the world around them. I could definitely see that being true. Yeah. Yeah. So becoming more savvy. Yeah. It's a whole other level of street smart. Yeah. And and then all of these madams, all of these bods who were running these houses, you know, had a, they had to have all kinds of business savvy and, and knowledge about all sorts of things that were happening that, that women, um, uh, lots of other women just didn't have access to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This one's interesting. So there were harlot directories that were frequently published. <laughs> yeah. So between 1757 and 1795, there was Harris's list of Covent Garden ladies, um, which published, which was published as a directory of prostitutes working in London. And actually the show was originally, I think the creators based the show originally on these, these lists, the, the Covent Garden ladies. And so it was a small pocket book and it sold about um, 8,000 copies annually. Whoa. Was a lot. And each edition had entries describing the physical appearance and sexual specialties of about 120 to 190 prostitutes who worked in and around Covent Garden. Oh my God. So I've been to Covent Garden and I had no idea <laughs> that that's the backstory of that place at all. No idea. So I'm just going to share an excerpt. So uh, the charms of a Mrs. Dodd who lived at number six uh, hind court in Fleet Street were listed in 19, sorry, in 1788 as, quote, reared on two pillars of monumental alabaster and the symmetry of its parts, its borders enriched with waving tendrils, its ruby portals and tufted grove that crowns the summit of the mount all joined to invite the guest to enter. Are they talking about our VJ? Yeah, totally. Wow. Okay. Well, you know what? Like, I, I want to read this book now. Like, when I'm you- telling you, this you are going to become obsessed. This is not Victorian. This is Georgian. But you're you're going to be into the Victorian porn. It's great. It makes every it makes porn today just seem like fucking sloppy and rushed. You know, like yeah. <laughs> when you're using adjectives like this, holy shit. We're going for dinner on Tuesday. I'm going to bring you some Victorian porn tomorrow. <laughs> We're going to get kicked out of the fucking restaurant. <laughs> well, not to read in the restaurant. <laughs> oh, I'm going <laughs> to read it. We'll go across the street to the pub after. <laughs> Pull that bad boy out. <laughs> um, and then in Victorian England, they also had guides. They, they were then at that point called sporting guides. And the most <laughs> famous was the Swells Night Guide. S-W-E-L-L. I'm assuming they're talking about a member. Yeah. Uh, through the metropolis. And it detailed prostitutes' ages, physical descriptions, personality type, their cost, and where you could find them. Going back to the Mrs. Dodd, I find it very interesting that they gave her, she's at number six hind court. Like you could just walk up to her house and knock on yeah. the door for some pussy at any time that you wanted. I'm here for the, the tuft grove. <laughs> The Ruby portal. You know what? Like, this is what a smart person would do today, especially like with like the OnlyFans is we'll just make an OnlyFans catalog and you can buy advertising space into it. I shouldn't say this shit out loud. Someone's going to take my fucking idea, but why don't we have that? Yeah. 
OnlyFans Monthly. Bing, bing, bada, bing, bang, bang, bang. Ching. I know lots of sex workers. Thanks to Twitter. <laughs> Shout out to all my girls out there. That's right. And an interesting fact is that Charles Dickens, together with a millionaire heiress and philanthropist named Angela Georgina Burdett Coates, Coates, established Uranian Cottage. Oh, boy. This was a place where prostitutes, former prisoners, okay, and women from workhouses had the option to escape their often dangerous, tragic lives. Dickens wrote a pamphlet titled An Appeal to Fallen Women, encouraging young ladies to go to the Uranian Cottage for a fresh start. He interviewed many of them, hearing their life stories, and then used their stories to inspire his fiction. In David Copperfield and Oliver Twist, he created characters that could be classified as fallen women and depicted them as victims of circumstance rather than evil manipulators. His writing helped Victorian audiences sympathize with these women on a human level. That's really interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. And so, you know, I hope that it was all uh, it was all positive. You know, hope there's no like negative backstory. And if there isn't, it's actually quite lovely. And I love that he focused on depicting women as victims of circumstance, which so many of these women Mm -hmm. were. I mean, you know, I'm sure some women, especially the ones who got to be courtesans and and live, you know, um, a life with nobility that might have felt like a good life to them, but a a lot of women who were in the sex trade, like as they are today, they are victims of circumstance. It might not be their first choice for some of them. It is, but Mm -hmm. lots of them, I think it's not. So the fact that he, he wrote in a way that helped audiences sympathize with women in a more human way, rather than an immoral way and judging them, I think is really beautiful. I want to know where like the former prisoners, were they just, they're just former prisoners. Like were they men? Like all these, it seems like it's the Island. No, no, this would be all women. This was a a place for women only. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty, that's interesting. I want to look into this. Where do you find this shit? Do you just get drunk at night with like a corked open bottle of wine and go dive into the internet? Like, how do you find some of this stuff? No, no, I just find (laughs) it. I just find it. No alcohol involved today. Uh, today she said (laughs) (laughs) it's a dry january Um, no it's not not in my panties (laughs) (laughs) that was an excellent comeback that's what he said (laughs) wow i need to get out more (laughs) is it tuesday yet we've got to go to dinner (laughs) (laughs) but i'm gonna see you next tuesday true see you next tuesday <laughs> okay okay i'm sorry everybody uh, this is the end of the day when here. we record these we get a little little loopy and crazy that's right i think that's um, what we're here for though <laughs> and just the final point which of course is that you know sex work is often very very dangerous um uh, many, many women were were killed or beaten. And then, of mm. course, the, there was a high rate of STIs, which could be fatal. Uh, syphilis at the time was raging. Mm. And, um, you know, when women, well, even men too, if they got syphilis and their face would become so disfigured, they would wear these leather masks over their faces to to cover themselves. And, you know, the reality is, is that most women, by the time they were 30, I mean, if you made it to 30 in the sex trade, um, that would probably be fairly unusual. And then their career was done. So unless they Mm -hmm. could transition knowledge that they had and become a bod and open their own 
their own boarding house or, or own brothel um, or be able to transition to something else. Like a lot of these women didn't have a lot of options once it was done. So um, yeah, lots of sad things too. Well, way to end it on a low note. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it just it still makes me, I know it keeps, keeps me thinking about the English, which was the 1800s, but yeah. And it makes me also wonder too, I mean, like prostitution is still very dangerous to this day, but we have the whole online world again of, like I said, OnlyFans, where a lot of these women can work for themselves and even men, creatures of all walks of life can be on there. So using your, using your street smarts, kitties. Yep, exactly. Exactly. We want people to be safe. Yeah. Because we support sex workers on the Radical Sex Witches. We sure do. And next time on the Radical Sex Witches, very superstitious. Fuck, I haven't sang in a long time, but we're going to be talking about superstitions. (laughs) And you're going to have to deal with Leah's singing because we can't afford the rights to play uh... (laughs) Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, I'm little Leah. I'm Carla. We are the Radical Sex Witches, and we will see you next time. Hello, witchy listener. It's Carla here. If you're feeling disconnected from pleasure and unfulfilled in life, reach out to me and let's connect on a free call. I love helping women like you shift to owning your sexual power, reconnecting to your body, and finding your unique radical sex witch within. Go to CarlaWainwright.com or find my contact info in the show notes. Let's co-create a life for you that is truly turned on.